Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. Are you excited today? Yeah. Great morning of worship, great time being in God's house and celebrating Him, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody on Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus as we dive into God's Word, and I am so, so thankful we can worship our great God together. So today, man, we are having this great series that we're in called At The Movies, and I love this series because, you know, we started in a movie theater as a church, and so we met in a movie theater for five years, so this has kind of been our world, but we've been talking about the five purposes of the church, or the five purposes of your life, even, and we're seeing those with movies. It's kind of the backgrounds. So we've been looking at evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and worship, and we've been seeing all these things in ministry about how they've come out in movies. Now we see that God is the author of all great stories. Now, when Jesus taught, right, he used agricultural examples. So Jesus is teaching spiritual truths, and he's looking around his surroundings, right? So he's teaching, he's like, hey, look at that farmer over there. He's sowing seed, right? That's the word of God. And some of it falls on soft hearts, and it yields a harvest, and some's on rocky soil. And so he, he starts using these illustrations where he talks about, hey, look at this mountain over here. If you just have a little faith, the faith of a mustard seed, or look at this fig tree. So he's using his surroundings. Now, we live in a digital age. And so what we're looking at is we're seeing all these movies, and we're seeing that God is the author. God is the story. And so we resonate. We get excited when we see, man, the, the heroes win. We see this epic battle of good versus evil and good triumphs. We know that. We see that in our lives. We feel that in our hearts. So they love stories. We go, God is love. He created love. So I get that. I understand that, these truths that come out. Now, we have said that not all movies are good, right? There's some junk out there that you don't need to be watching. There's some junk out there you don't need to let your kids watch and some things like that. But then you see some movies that you go, oh, I get it. I get the bigger picture here. And so we talked about evangelism and we said, hey, end game. Jesus talks about the end is coming, right? And when the whole world hears, then the end will come. And so end game is not standing before Thanos and he's snapping his fingers, right? End game happens, we stand before God, the sovereign God over all the universe. And so in this short time we have, share the good news. Let people know about Jesus. Talk about him. 
We talked about discipleship with Star Wars. You see Obi-Wan and then Luke and then Ray, and it just comes down generational, generational. So if you're a parent or a grandparent or aunt or an uncle, you know, you have this responsibility. What are we passing on? How are we discipling? Because this struggle of good versus evil, it cuts through the human heart. And there's the dark side that's pulling right. And we go, anyway, how am I going to live? And how are my kids going to live? And what's important? And last week, we talked about fellowship. And we saw Remember the Titans, Super Bowl Sunday, right? And so you got Remember the Titans and you see Coach Boone coming down and breaking down barriers there and bringing the team together and fighting against racism. And you know, racism is a sin. It's a sin. And and so for us as the church, we see that Jesus breaks down those barriers. There's neither slave nor free, male nor Greek, you know, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's the beautiful part of what Jesus is doing in our lives as we join together. And today we're looking at this worship, worship. And we're seeing this movie, National Treasure. And I don't know if you've seen the movie, National Treasure, but man, it's kind of a fun movie. Nicolas Cage, there's a lot of energy there. But in National Treasure, Ben Gates, that's who Nicolas Cage plays, you know, his great, great grandfather knew about this treasure that the United States was hiding, right? Had all the gold and all this treasure and so his grandfather was looking for the treasure. His father was looking for the treasure. And now Ben, the son, the grandson here, he's the one who's like, man, I'm going to find the treasure. And so it's just a movie about this giant treasure hunt to find the nation treasure. And man, we want to go and we find that. So if you haven't seen it, watch this clip. Check it out. Ah, I got to get you fired up. You're like going to go look for a treasure somewhere, you know, and all these things. Did you see that? Well, Jesus talked about treasures. And so if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Hopefully you have a mobile device. You can access the scripture at the Rolling Hills app. So if you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app, or if you've got a Bible with you, wherever you are, turn with me there. So Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at the very words of Jesus. All right, first book, New Testament, the very words, what Jesus said, red letter words right here today. So Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures, right there, treasures on earth, where moss and rust and vernon destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, so Jesus talking, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Wow, pretty strong words, right? Well, what is Jesus talking about? That's what we're going to talk about today. Worship. All right. So if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide or if you want to pull out that Rolling Hills app, here's some things to fill in. Worship is our foundation. It's really the foundation for your life. It's the foundation there. So Jesus said this, right? Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Where moths and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Look at this. Every civilization that has ever existed has had some form of worship. Everyone, 
You go back and study history, right? You got the Greeks, you got the Romans, you just keep going, you name it. Why? Because there's a foundation, there's a fabric of that society, of that culture. So every civilization. So when we talk about national treasure, you know, because they're looking for the treasure of the nation. Now, for the United States, what do we treasure? Well, why did people come to this place? If you go back and study history, right, you got the pilgrims, you've got the Puritans, and they came for religious freedom. They came to worship God. And so they come over to be able to worship God. In fact, whatever town you live in or you grew up in, you probably remember in your downtown, there was a church, right? I mean, all the settlers, when they go and they establish these towns, what do they build? They build a church. And so you can think about your hometown. You can think about where you grew up. And you go, oh, yeah, there was First Presbyterian. Right across the street was First you know, Methodist, right across the street was first Baptist, you know, but, but right there, I mean, there was all the church because they said, we want to worship. We want the foundation of our community, of our city, of our town, of our nation to be about worshiping God. But what happened? Over time, right, it begins to shift. And this is the danger for everybody. And it begins to shift. It moves from worshiping God to what becomes the treasure of our nation. Wealth, money, capitalism, right? Let's make more money. So national treasure, they're looking for all the gold. And the U.S. has stolen all the gold. Now it's all there. And they have this and this treasure. But it happens all the time. And we can see that in our own culture, right? You start off worshiping God. And next thing you know, it becomes about money, power, and success. Now, money is not bad in and of itself. I mean, it's not. You can do a lot of good with money. Praise God, right? You can help a lot of people do a lot of ministry, do a lot of missions, a lot of things. But you can also do a lot of bad with money, right? I mean, you got the sex slave trade. You've got, you know, um, organized crime, all about money. A lot of people die over money. The Bible doesn't say that money's bad. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So then we fall in love with money, and the next thing you know, right, our hearts begin to worship money. And that's what begins to happen, right, in every person's life. It's going to be, what do you worship? And are you going to stay true to God, or are you going to drift? So Jesus comes along, and he begins to contrast this, the temporary versus the eternal. And he says, are you investing in the things that are temporary, where moth and vermin and rust destroy? Now, we're not an agricultural society, so we don't think about vermin. We don't think about rats coming in and eating. But, but sometimes we get a hole in our favorite shirt, and you're like, oh, what happened to that, right? I mean, like, oh, man, it, it got destroyed. Well, that shirt didn't last that long, right? It wasn't in style anymore, right? Why? Because it's temporary. It's fine. You need clothes. You want to look nice. But, but it doesn't last. It's temporary. My wife, Lisa, she was driving that day, and she saw a minivan, and it had a little bumper sticker on it and said, I used to be cool. You know, it's like, she started laughing. She's like, oh, she goes, hey, that's me right there, right? You know, so, and, and I think sometimes we go, it's temporary, right? I had this time and it was great and I was cool. My identity was there, but now I've got, I got older, right? But things change in our lives. Things change in our lives. You know, we don't have to worry about, hey, moth and rust, you know, destroying, but we do still ride this roller coaster because the things today, they change, you know, you think about that, right? We get caught up in money. And man, we're excited when the stock market goes up. And we're like, yay, I got lots of money. And then the stock market drops, 500 points. You're like, oh, no, I don't have that much money, right? And you're just watching this. Now, did you really ever have it or was it just on paper? You know, you can kind of get into that. But the fact is, 
we ride that roller coaster. Tornado comes, you know, hurricanes. I mean, all these kind of things. And we start to realize Jesus is right. There are things in this world that are temporary, that are here today and gone tomorrow. And then you invest in crypto and you think, oh, I'm a billionaire. No, I'm not. I don't have anything. You know, so you can ride that wave, right? FTX, whatever it is. But here's the thing, Jesus says, versus the eternal. There are things that are eternal. There are. There's three things, God, God's word, and people. And when you begin to invest in those, you are storing up treasure in heaven. When you're beginning to use the resources you have to make a difference in this world for the glory of God, you're storing up treasure in heaven. So Jesus goes, you decide. What are you gonna invest in? Where are you gonna put those things in your life? So worship is our response to what we treasure, right? If we treasure the things of this world, we're gonna respond to those things and that's gonna drive our hearts and our minds and our blood pressure too. Or our response to God for who he is and for what he's done in our lives. And when you are a Christ follower and you begin to worship God, you move your attention onto him, changes you, changes you. Here's what it says even in the Old Testament. Look at this in Isaiah 33, 6. He, the Lord, right, will be the sure foundation for your times. The sure foundation, worship him. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Kind of a perfect verse, right? It's got all the words. I mean, it's like just right there. But you know, in National Treasure, right, they try to get the key. It's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And it's an invisible map, but it's going to lead them to all this money and this wealth and success. But God says, wait a minute. The key to the treasure really is the fear of the Lord. And what is the fear of the Lord? Not like, oh, I'm scared of God. No, the fear of the Lord is this awesome, awesome wonder, this worship. He's God, I'm not. God, I'm gonna live for the things of you. I'm gonna trust in you. And when I do that, man, that's the key to the treasure. That's the key to the peace and the joy and the purpose in your life. So worship becomes the foundation of our lives. Look at this, worship changes your focus. Worship changes your focus. Jesus said so clearly, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, what you treasure in your life, man, that is where your heart is. So worship drives us through the mundane and temporal events of this world. You know, a national treasure, right? They're seeking after the treasure. They're running after it. And they didn't wake up and they weren't worried about what their fit was for the day. They weren't worried about the social media craze. They weren't worried about what everybody else was doing. They were going after the treasure. And then nothing else really, really mattered. But the same thing, when we're worshiping God, we are set on him. And we're pursuing him. And yeah, all these other things are taking place out there, but we're like, ah, it's okay. I mean, I got my job, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna do those things, I'm gonna do things well, I'm gonna do things right. You know, my family, I've got my schedule. But listen, I am set on the Lord. I am focused on him. And then challenges are simply something to overcome in pursuit of the treasure. Challenges are simply something to overcome. Hey, I'm pursuing the Lord. It says in James, in James chapter one, it's so powerful. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, all of us, men and women, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Now, did many of us go, yay, I get a trial today, right? No, no, I mean, most of us are like, I don't want a trial, right? I don't want to do that. But he's saying, hold on, hold on, think about this, perspective, focus. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He goes, start to think when you're going through that trial, when you're going through that challenge. Listen, you're growing closer to God. I bet if you're honest, I bet if every one of us here is honest, I bet when you look back at your life and some of the hardest things you went through were the times that you felt closest to God. Some of those times when you grew the most in your life and you didn't want to go through it, you wish you didn't. We live in a broken, fallen world and hurt people, hurt people, and it's hard. But yet you just go, man, those are the times I grew so close to God. And God, I, I want to trust you. I want to hold on to you. And that's how Apostle Paul can talk about, man, I, you know, I want to even consider sufferings because those are times I hold on to God. It's what you treasure. And if my treasure is, man, the things of this world, then I'm going to be so mad and angry and frustrated all the time. And there are times that are hard and difficult. But man, when I treasure the Lord, I'm going... God, you're doing a bigger purpose here. Aren't there times in your life when you look back and you go, you know, that was a really hard time that I went through, but a year from now or five years or 10 years, I go, oh, God, you were doing something there that's impacting me here. God, I'm glad that relationship didn't work out. As bad as it was, as broken as my heart was, God, and I put them on a pedestal, I worshiped them at that time, but God, you were preparing me for the one that you had for me. And so God, I'm gonna learn in the future to trust you. <laughs> And even when it's hard, I'm going to learn to trust you and hold on to you. See, worship lifts our eyes and our heart onto the bigger picture. That's what it does. That's how we can raise a hallelujah in the middle of the storms. That's how we can raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Like, God, I don't understand, but God, I'm just going to lift up to you. I think so many times worship is like God just coming and placing his hand under our chin and just kind of going, look up, look up. I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. Focus on me. Focus on me. All right, look at this one. Worship must be fresh. I think this is the thing about worship, right? It's not like, oh yeah, well, I used to worship. I, that kind of my life when I first accepted Christ, I was so on fire from God. And, and then I just kind of rode that wave, right? You know, it's fresh. It's a fresh anointing. The eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus said. If your eyes are healthy, you know, sometimes we look at this and we're like, man, that kind of is a different take. But, but here, the word healthy, if you go back to the original language in the Greek, it really means this, generous. Think about that for a moment. If your eyes are generous, and you put it in the context and I'm talking about money and success and all these things, if your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, greedy, who's contrasting this generosity and this greed, if your eyes are greedy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Isn't that true, right? It's the filter, like, am I going to be generous? Am I going to be kind? Am I going to be worshiped? Because I am going to trust that God is with me. Or am I going to turn in on myself and think I've got to hold everything in, and the darkness builds up? You know, a national treasure, right? They have to find these glasses, the ocular device, right? The Benjamin Franklin glasses and and that's how they can read the back of the Declaration of Independence, right? They start pulling these filters down, these different lenses. And I think as Christ follows, you start to think, okay, what comes into my eyes? What comes into my mind? What comes into my thoughts? 
Is it things of God? Am I starting to see the world differently? Am I starting to see the world the way God does? Or am I looking at it myself? See, worship is more than songs. And I think sometimes our, our, our vocabulary, our terminology can impact our theology, right? Our terminology can impact our theology because we'll go, well, hey, wasn't that, that worship was good this morning. That worship set, right? You know, we, we kind of boil it down to those three songs were great. And they were, and this morning was awesome. We're great, I love our worship too. Amazing. But worship isn't just like, okay, I finished the worship and now let's get to the teaching. This is worship too, right? Because we're diving into God's word. We're focusing on him. We're growing deeper in him. But then it's not just, hey, it ends there. No, then we have giving and we have the offering and that's a part of worship. God, I'm giving my heart back to you. I'm trusting you. You're providing for me. It's a worship service, right? But then it's even bigger than that. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, men and women, this is for all of us, right? In view of God's mercy, think about what God's done for you. Think about the way he's taken care of you. Think about the way he's provided for you. Think about who he is to you. So then your response to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. So worship's not just, hey, I came on Sunday morning to worship and I checked that off and then I went and lived however I wanted to live. Worship is living a life for the glory of God. That's what it is. So then he keeps going, right? Verse two, he says, look, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, right? Different lens, how you look at things, how you see it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you know how God wants you to live and the decisions that you make and the things that you do, right? Worship impacts every area of your life. See, worship is hearing and obeying. We used to sing a hymn, right? Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey to live it out, to live that life of worship. So worship is your mind's attention and your heart's affection. So when you think about your life, what do I worship? My mind's attention, my heart's affection. What do I think about the most? What, what, what consumes my heart? What do I love the most? Then you start to think about those things. And there's sometimes there's things that aren't bad things, but they become things that we worship instead of God. I don't know if you guys have seen lately, but what's happening up at Asbury College, right up in Kentucky. I mean, revival has been breaking out. I mean, praise God, you know? And in revival, you start looking at it, and so many times it happens with college students or young adults, and just they come and just start worshiping. And, and worship is always defined in the middle of a revival by a time of repentance, by saying, look, God, I look at that in my life, right? You know, like kind of like our nation. You know, I used to be so on fire for you and I was so pumped about you. And then I started to drift for the things. And, and revival brings us back, back to the heartbeat of God, back to him saying, God, I trust you. I want to put my mind's attention, my heart's affection. And so up there at Asbury College, and I started a worship service and they were praying. And then it just kept going all through the night. And then the next day, and the next night, the next day, the next night, and people are coming from all over just to join in. To worship. I want to tell you guys, listen, revival's coming to our land. There is a spiritual awakening coming here to the United States of America. Everybody, you can see it 
You could feel it. There have been four great awakenings that have happened in our nation. Four different times where all of a sudden the nation goes, whoa, wait a minute, we're on a different track here. We gotta come back to the heartbeat of God. Four different times. You can go back to Jonathan Edwards and the first, you can go to Charles Finney and all these things that have happened up in the Northeast and throughout our country. But there is a spiritual awakening happening right now. And I just wanna tell you this, don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is our time to be the people of God. This is our time to focus on him. This is our time to repent, right? If we've gotten off, if there's something else that's become an idol in our life, if there's something else that we've started to worship, even something that's good or fine, but it's not of God, then we go, God, I want to come back to you. And I want to pray that you be the Lord of my life. I want to pray you be on the throne of my heart. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for my community. I want to pray for our nation. Oh, God, come. And it's going to happen in our day and in our generation. And I want all of us to be a part of that. God working through his people. This is our time. And it's a fresh anointing of the Spirit. So guys, don't miss it. Don't miss it. I keep going right there. All right, let's go. You know? hey, <laughs> worship reveals what we favor. Guys, listen, worship reveals what we favor in our life. And Jesus gets really personal here, right? He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's like, you gotta make a decision. Now, I'm gonna trust you with resources. I'm gonna give you, and many of you, you're great at making money, and that's awesome, and then be thankful, be blessed, but don't let it be your master. <laughs> let God be your master. Trust him and him alone. See, here's the thing. We are all going to worship something. The question is, what do you worship? We're all gonna worship something. I mean, it's, there's a God-shaped hole in every one of us. And we can try to fill it with the things of this world. We can try to fill it with success. We can try to fill it with identity. We can try to fill it with power. We can try to fill it with money. We can try to fill it with all these things, but it won't ever satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is when God is on the throne of our life. So what do you worship? And I want to tell you, more and more people are just kind of falling after money and realizing, man, that doesn't satisfy. You know, National Treasure, it was a great movie, but there's a National Treasure 2. There's a National Treasure 3. And it just kind of keeps going because it never is enough. Even if you find the treasure, it's never enough. It doesn't matter. You can look at lottery winners. You can look at pro athletes, right? 70% of professional athletes are broke or in financial distress after five years after leaving the sport. And you're like, but they had millions, right? It's never enough. It doesn't satisfy. Mike Minter was, told me about this quote from Kevin O'Leary uh, from Shark Tank. You ever watch Shark Tank? Okay, Kevin O'Leary comes out, right? Mr. Wonderful, right? And, and he was roasted online after he claimed that nothing, not even family, was as important as making money and becoming independent. And here's what he wrote. You may lose your wife. You may lose your dog. Your mother may hate you, O'Leary told his nearly one million followers on Twitter. None of those things matter. What matters is that you achieve success and become free. Then you can do whatever you like. Like, what? How horrible is that? O'Leary's post received heavy blowback, duh, from many users, many of whom disagreed with his seemingly wealth-centered philosophy. Eric, an analyst on Bloomberg, said, that sounds more like the definition of hell. <laughs> and that's what it is. And that's the scary part. But you look at that, you think, man, this is what people say. 
You know what? It doesn't matter if you lose your, your wife or your dog. I mean, like, come on, you lose your wife and your dog. And if your mom hates you, I'm like, what kind of person are you? Right? Like, what in the world? But that's what he's saying. And you're just going, oh, that's heartbreaking. And Jesus is going, no, that can be further from the truth. Jesus said, I want you to have a great life. You know what? You do that. You chase after that. What do you do? You die with, maybe, maybe you have money. Maybe you don't. Who knows? And you die alone. And you die, you know, just broken heart. I mean, come on. Nobody wants that. Jesus goes, I want you to have life and have it to the full. I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to have great friends. I want you to raise great kids. I want even your dog to like you. You know, I want you to have a great life. Don't miss it. And there's a God who's inviting you. So you and I, we have to choose daily, daily what you will worship. Would you daily choose, God, I want to put you first in my life. God, you've entrusted me with a lot, but there's a lot of distractions around. So God, I want to trust you. And daily, I want to choose to follow you. Daily, I want to live a life of worship. Daily, I want to focus on you. God, I'm yours. Guys, we have to constantly evaluate your passion. You have to evaluate your passion. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your heart? Where's your heart? See, it can so easily happen to all of us. And this is where we have to be really careful, right? When you first accepted Christ, you were so excited about God. You were on fire and you're like, man, you know, I get to tithe. Tithe, I give my first 10% to God. God, is a pretty good deal, right? I get to keep 90%. It all comes from you anyway. And I only give 10% back to you. That's awesome. That's amazing. And that was wonderful when you were making $1,000 a month, right? And you were like, I can give $100 to God. Who knows? I mean, 100 bucks. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? But then what happens? Just like the nation, right? All of a sudden, you make $50,000 a year. All of a sudden, you make $100,000 a year. And you're like, oh, but God, I can't give you $5,000. Are you kidding me? I need that money. I mean, it takes care of all my needs. It, it means everything to me. And God's like, uh, I just gave you another $45,000 or $95,000. I mean, it, I have all the riches of the world in my hands, but you're like, uh, I don't know. Because that's what's going to satisfy. And so we look at our bank account, or we look at our 401k, we look at our IRAs, and we look at this, and we're like, oh man, that's what's going to take care of me. And God's going, it's on paper. I'm the one who's going to take care of you. Trust me. Or we get caught up in sports. And I love sports. I played sports growing up. Man, I traveled, you know, and all that stuff. But, but then after a while, what happens, man? Hey, man, we're going to raise our kids in church. And they're going to be loving the Lord. And then, oh, man, sports are coming. You know, my kid, man, they're going to be in the NBA. They're going to make a ton of money. And they're going to be, so we're going to be traveling, traveling, traveling. I don't care if my kid's five, six. It doesn't really matter. But somehow, they're going to make it, right? And, and we get caught up in that. The next thing you know, there's travel ball. And we used to watch online. And we'd go to the hotel. But then Man, we got the tournament that started and starting and starting. And the next thing you know, your kids don't even come to church. And you're thinking, well, what happened? Missed it. Right? We just kind of drifted along. Missed it. And we go to a concert. Man, we'll go, woo, it's awesome. You sing along to every word. You come to church. You're like, yeah, been there, done that. It's so deceptive. And that's why Jesus was saying, hey, you got to guard your heart. You got to guard your passion. What do you worship and hold on to him? says in Jeremiah, right? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Is he your passion? None of us are perfect, right? But man, are you growing in the Lord? Are you looking into his word? Are you diving deeper into his truth? Are you saying, God, I wanna know you. I wanna bring glory to you. For however long I have on this earth, God, I want it to be about you. Worship right here finally shows what you put first. What you put first 
Jesus keeps teaching there in the Sermon on the Mount. You can read it, Matthew 5 through 7, the longest sermon we have from Jesus. But he keeps going there in chapter 6, and he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus, here's the thing, right? You put God first, God's gonna take care of it. You, you trust him with your life, God's gonna take care of it. But oh no, we try to put all these other things first and then we want a little bit of God sprinkled in and he's like, no, 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 no. Put me first, trust me. What are you seeking? What is the treasure for you? What are you pursuing in your life? Are you thinking, if I get this much in my checking account, or if I get this much in my RA, if I get this much in my life, or if I, if I have this perfect home, or if I have this perfect thing, right? Or are you saying, God, I'm gonna seek you, and I'm gonna trust you. And God, I know you can meet all my needs. God, you do all the time. I mean, look at my life. God, you have taken care of me all these years. You have provided for me. Thank you, God. I wanna live a life of worship. And then you just add on to that, right? And I can have goals, I can have dreams, I can have things that I'm you know, working toward, but God, you are first in my heart and in my life. Seek God and delight in him. Psalm 37, four, you can look it up later. We don't have enough time, but it is so good, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in him. And that's what worship is. It's delighting yourself. It's being thankful. It's looking at it and waking up in the morning. God, thank you for a new day of life. God, I give you praise. Thank you for my family. God, bless my family. Bless my friends. God, use me today. God, everything I have is yours. God, I wanna walk with you. See, here's the truth. What you feed grows. What you feed grows. And here's what I mean, right? You, you wanna live a life of worship? Yeah, being a church, good job, way to go. You're here, you're feeding that. You know, you start reading the Bible, you're feeding that. You're putting the word of God in your mind and your heart. What you feed grows. You, you struggle with comparison, right? And so then you get online and all you do is scroll and scroll and scroll. You're feeding that and you're comparing yourself to everybody else, right? You, you struggle with these things. But the converse is true. What you starve dies. What you starve dies. So you struggle with pornography, you starve it. You get that out of my life. You get that out of my mind. I don't need that in me. And it'll start to go away. What you feed grows. Here's what Jesus says. What is a profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We can't take anything with us, guys, when we die. And so right here, right now is our time. Everything God's given us, and he'll give us more. Oh, he's gonna take care of you. He's gonna take care of us. But use it for the glory of God, the opportunities you have, the love you have. Bless the people around you. Love them well. We don't have to compete with everybody else. We can love, we can build them up, we can encourage them. The resources, the time, the energy. Live this life, God, it's all yours. And I wanna worship you. You see, all of history is gonna end in worship. It's gonna be a giant worship service. I gotta tell you, right? That we stand before God and it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So let's worship him. You know, one of my favorite verses is 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it says this, if my people, and back in the Old Testament, the people, children of Israel, the Jews, but by the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And now the church, right? There's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ Jesus, the church, my people who are called by my name, 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance, right? God, I've gotten off track. God, I've moved away from you. I'm turning back. I'm coming back to you. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I'll heal their land. It starts with us praying. It starts with us worshiping. It starts with us living our lives for the glory of God and watching God bring revival, watching God bring an awakening, watching the Holy Spirit move in a mighty way in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own communities, in our own nation, in the entire world for the glory of God. This is our time and this is our opportunity. And it comes down to worship. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But would you be honest right now with God? And maybe today is a day of salvation. You just go, God, that, that God-shaped hole in me, I've tried to fill it with everything. <laughs> with money, success, with relationships. And Father, none of it's satisfied. <laughs> I need you. So today I've given my life to you. Forgive my sins. Maybe today God's calling me baptized or you've been so worried about what everybody else thinks. And today you're just like, you know what? I want to live for God. Not approval of man. Maybe today you go, God, my heart's drifted. <laughs> I used to be so on fire for you, God. I was so excited, you know, and, and just slowly over time, God, draw me back. I repent. I want to turn around. I want to come back to you. Father, I pray today, Father, you would fan into flame what you've started. Started in our own hearts and in our own church, Father, in your, this community and this nation. God, bring revival. Start with us. Father, give us Jesus. And let Jesus be the hope of our lives. Let us point others to you. Let us proclaim you boldly. Father God, we need you. Our nation needs you. Our world needs you. So, Father, draw our hearts to you. Speak to us right now as we respond back to you for who you are and for what you've done in our lives. Meet us in this moment right here, right now. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.